0: We've all heard this saying, it's not where you start that counts, but it's where you finish that matters. And of course, this is especially relevant for Rahab, in Rahab's case. She may have started out as a prostitute, living on a wall in Jericho. However, she ended up in Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter of faith. You see, God isn't a respecter of persons, is he? God can use a prostitute he can use a shepherd boy he can use fishermen or he can use somebody that was that has been brought up in the courts of pharaoh to work out his divine plan of salvation God can use anyone in his service provided they have faith God can and he will use each and every one of us in his service provided again we And we'll see that Rahab developed an abundance of faith, and that faith saved her and her household. In fact, she so showed more faith than Israel ever did. She believed in God's purpose with Israel, and she wanted to be part of that purpose, as we'll see. Now, when we think of Rahab, we think of her hiding the two spies under the flax on top of her house. We imagine her telling the king that she didn't know where the spies were, not only putting her life in danger, but also putting probably her family's life in danger as well. And again, we can imagine her insisting that her family should be saved as well as her. And so Rahab wasn't a selfish person. She thought of others uh, as much as she thought of herself. Now, in contrast to this, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 16, Moses commanded Joshua to, to go and kill everyone that were in the cities that God gave Israel to take to live in. Basically, he was told to destroy everything that breathed. And yet, God would not only save. Uh, Rahab, but her entire household. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 23, Abraham said regarding his nephew Lot, Wilt thou destroy the righteous with the wicked? And the answer to that is, no, I will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. And so because of Rahab's faith, God counted that to her as righteousness. Righteousness. Because of Abraham's faith, God counted that as well to him as righteousness. And God will count our faith as righteousness as well. So not not only would she be saved, but also her entire family. So God, through his mercy, doesn't want anyone to perish. God can save even those who have been destined to death if they are prepared to change. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, Jacob is described as an Assyrian ready to perish. And of course, if, if Jacob had kept on that present path, being a deceptor, if he kept on that pathway, he would have perished. But God, through his mercy, sent him to Laban up in Haran. And what God was saying to Jacob was, I want you to have a look at yourself. And so he did. He saw Laban as an image of himself. By doing that, Jacob changed his way of life. You see, we're all destined to change, aren't we? We're all destined to death. But God isn't willing that anyone would perish. God wants us too to change. He wants us to look at ourselves and be prepared to change. He wants us to live by faith so that we can ultimately one day live in his kingdom. God has started a good work in all of us and God won't stop until that work has been completed. Now in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 22 we read these words. But Joshua said unto the two men that had spied out the country... Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she had and as you swear unto her. Verse 23, And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And Joshua saved, verse 25, Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwells in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent out to spy out Jericho. And what an amazing person um, Rahab is. Verse 23 says that she and all her household were left outside the camp. Well, brothers and sisters and young people and friends, we all start outside the camp. Rahab and her family would eventually come inside that camp, but only after Rahab and her family truly understood and accepted the God of Israel as their God. Rahab had already done this. However, she needed to include her family into into the the Israelitish hope as well. And it's no different for us today, is it, Only baptism allows us to enter into that camp. Without baptism, we are like Rahab and her family. We're outside the camp. We're strangers from the Commonwealth of Israel. And so, young people, I say this to you, to have a think about your position. Remember that Christ isn't that far away. And so when he returns... Do you want to be inside or outside the camp? It's your choice. However, that choice, the choice that you make, will have eternal consequences. Please think about your position. It's so important to be inside that camp when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Now, Rahab is written in Hebrews 11 because of her faith. But whereabouts are our names? Are they written in the book of life? By faith we are saved. It's the gift of God. But we have to grab hold of that gift and never let it go. But here's the point. Are we prepared like Rahab to lose everything in this life to gain salvation? The Apostle Paul said... Everything in this life is refuse compared with the things of God. The Apostle Paul was prepared to let everything go so that he could gain hold of that wonderful kingdom. And so Rahab and the family, they totally believed that Jericho was going to be destroyed. Their only hope was the God of Israel. They saw the coming judgments on them And they did something about it. They completely turned their backs on Jericho and all that it offered. And we know, don't we? We know that this world is about to be judged by God. So, where do we stand? Are we like Lot's wife? We're not quite sure where we belong. Or are we focused on the things of God, God's eternal kingdom? And like Rahab, are we prepared? Are we prepared to turn our backs on this world and throw our lot in with the Lord Jesus Christ? It's our choice, isn't it? But once again, that choice will have eternal consequences. Okay, well, let's come back now to Joshua chapter two, and we find out there, in Joshua chapter two, where she gained this this great faith where she gained that faith from. Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Ammonites that were on the other side of Jordan, Shihon and Og whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he's God in heaven above and in earth beneath. And so in verse nine, she says, I I know that the Lord has given you this land. She had total faith that God was going to destroy the Canaanites at that time. She knew that God was going to give that land to the Israelites. And verse 10, we have heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea, etc. Forty years, 40 years ago, God performed that amazing miracle. And yet 40 years later, the people were still talking about that miracle it took Egypt over 200 years to get over the destruction of Egypt at that time. And verse 11 says, as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. And then she acknowledges the God of Israel. He's God in heaven above and on earth beneath. I suggest that Rahab had been hearing about the God of Israel All her life. And slowly over time she gains faith in the God of of the Israelites. There's no doubt in my mind that God had been preparing her for this very time. As God prepared uh, Pharaoh as a vessel for dishonour, God was preparing Rahab as a vessel for honour, as we'll see. And so it wasn't time and chance, was it, that the spies happened to find her? God was working this whole plan and purpose out over a matter of time. It wasn't time and chance that she knew about God's memorial name either. She uses the Yahweh name in verses 9 to 12. So, how did she know about God's name? I don't know but we do know in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and she certainly had that fear of God in her didn't she and so she not only feared God in a physical sense but also in a spiritual sense she had that great reverence for God because she said at the end of verse 11 for Yahweh your God he is God in heaven. God in heaven above and on earth beneath, what a testimony to her faith! In Deuteronomy chapter four and verse twenty-nine, it says, "But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. Thou shalt if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul." God obviously knew that in time to come he would. Send the Jewish people out of that land because of their wickedness. But God said to them, wherever you are, if you seek me with all your hearts, you will find me once again. And of course those words came very true for Rahab, didn't they? And her family. And those words are just as applicable for us today, aren't they? And so we need to ask ourselves a question. And that is... If Rahab could develop a strong faith in the God of Israel, why didn't the others in the city do likewise? Why couldn't they have changed? Why couldn't they have maybe listened to what Rahab had been saying? They obviously had heard about what God did to Egypt, parting that Red Sea those 40 years ago, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, they may have even seen that. I mean, I, it seems um, quite possible that God would have uh, that the the people of Canaan would have heard about these uh, people wandering around in the wilderness. It's quite possible that they actually went out there and saw this great sight. And of course, at this stage, Israel weren't that far away. So it's possible they could have seen the cloud by day and the fire by night. But why didn't that change them? Why didn't they see that this God was far more powerful than any gods that they knew? Why didn't they change like Rahab and her family did? Because sadly, they just didn't see their need to change. Yes, they were scared of the God of Israel, no doubt about that. But unlike Rahab, they weren't prepared to change. The people of the world are also scared about what's going on around them. But they too won't change. Even though we've got terrible things happening upon this earth, people won't change. The scripture doesn't tell us that there'll be mass conversions just prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Men's hearts may be failing them for fear. However, the people of Jericho, like the people of Jericho, they just won't change. Only seeing our need for change will change us. Most people don't like looking at themselves, but that's exactly what God wants us to do we need to be prepared to look at ourselves and be humble enough to change where we need to change. God's word is a two-edged sword, isn't it? It it divides us. It opens us up. It helps us to, to look inside ourselves and be prepared to acknowledge those things that we know that are not right. Well, Rahab saw that need. And she did something about it. And so she says to the spies in chapter 2 and verse 12, Now therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, and will you also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token? Well, that could be better rendered or a token of truth, which was referring to the scarlet thread of verse 18. We'll have a look at that in a moment. But it's interesting, that word kindness in in this verse is the Hebrew word chesed. And it can express that powerful link of affection between parents and their children and vice versa. That same deep affection is also between God and his children. And so it would seem that chesed can express that kindness that is normally reserved for immediate family. So Rahab, in effect, is telling the spies that she wants them to swear by Yahweh that she and her family would be joined to the family of God. That's what she wanted. That's what she craved for. She wanted to be joined to that family of God, to that family of Israel. She wanted to be part of those wonderful promises that had been made to the fathers of old. And so in verse 18, they give her this scarlet thread to hang outside her window as a token um, of their word. Now, of course, Rahab wouldn't have known when Israel was going to attack. However, in verse 21, after the spies had gone, she immediately puts that scarlet thread outside her window. She reminds us very much, doesn't she, of people like Hezekiah, Abraham. They rose up early to do those things of God. They didn't just wait around and, you know, oh, well, I suppose I'll go and do that now. They got up early. They they did those things because they were absolutely convinced that God wanted them to act in a way that would give glory to him. So they rose up early to do those things. And so she immediately hangs out that scarlet thread because she sees that as her symbol of the salvation of her and of her household. There was a great urgency in her actions. Verse 21 says, And she said, According unto your word, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in her window. Well, brothers and sisters and young people, how much urgency do we show in our walk to the kingdom? Do we get onto things straight away or do we tend to put things off for another day? We can't afford to put things off when it comes to our salvation. We can't afford to do that. Otherwise, Jesus may come back as a thief in the night. The word for line in this verse is the Hebrew word tikva, which signifies hope. And so we can see why she was so quick in in casting that scarlet line out of her window. Her hope of salvation was tied up in that scarlet line. And she she would soon understand that that red scarlet line, that cord would represent her Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 18, she's told by the spies that when they come into the land, that she is to bring her family into her house. And verse 19 says, And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And so Rahab's uh, family, they they had to stay in that little house to be saved. If for any circumstance they they left that house, then they would die. Sounds very much like the Passover night, doesn't it? In fact, this was the time of the Passover, as seen by the harvest of the flax that was on top of her roof. We all know at the time of the Passover in Egypt, that the people were instructed to put blood on their doorposts on both sides and on top of the lintel so that the angel would pass over them. But under no circumstances were the people to go outside because if they did, then they would die. Well, like the Jewish Passover, Rahab had to gather her family into her home. Into her house. She had to shut the door and have a sign of hope outside her window for all to see, so that they too, so that they too could be saved. Like the Jewish Passover, nobody was to go outside, otherwise they would die. And it's a testimony to her preaching efforts that everyone stayed inside that house. So Rahab was somebody that people trusted. How else would she be able to gather her family into that little house at that time? Somehow she was able to convince them to put their faith in her. Even the king of Jericho trusted her when she told him that the spies had left. And as a result of what she said, the king sent soldiers out after them. Such was the integrity of Rahab in his eyes. She may have started out as a prostitute living on a wall in Jericho, however, she becomes a mother to her family. She is now the one that her family looks up to for guidance. These people are in a situation where it's literally life or death. It's a life or death situation. They have to trust her as she trusted in God. We are in exactly the same situation, aren't we? You see, we either put our trust in God and live, or we put our trust in ourselves and die. And so, for the next six days, she and her household would see the Israelites. Walk around the walls of Jericho once a day. In chapter 6 and verse 3, we read these words. Chapter 6, verse 3. And you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thou shalt do do thou uh, in uh, six days. And so for six days, they they walked around that wall once a day. Now, the tension of her household must have been rising as the days wore on. But only through faith, only through her leadership, would she be able to keep all all her family together in that house. She must have been an incredible woman to do that. You know, sometimes I think we... We don't appreciate the strength and the endurance of the sisters in the truth as much as we should. The old saying goes, behind every good man there is a good woman. And that's as true in the truth as it is in the world. The vast vast majority of the sisters really are the backbone of the ecclesia. Yes, brethren have a leadership role to play, However, the sisters are the glue that holds that family together. And so, while brethren may be doing uh, upfront up roles such as speaking and presiding, etc., the sisters are working behind the scenes to support their husbands in their roles. Without the support of the sisters, these jobs probably wouldn't get done in the way that they should. Or if they did get done, they may not be to a standard that is necessary for the spiritual development of the ecclesia. And so the work and diligence of sisters, whether single or married, should be appreciated in the ecclesia. We're all one in Christ Jesus. We just have different roles to play, to play out until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11 says... Neither is the man without the woman, and neither is the woman without the man. Verse 12 goes on to say, For whereas the woman is of the man, so is the man also of the woman, but all things of God. And sisters, whether married or single, are vital. They are vital for the spiritual development of the ecclesia. And we have here at Blackburn, I believe, some absolutely wonderful sisters And just to give an example of that, a couple of months ago, Heather and I received two cards from two young sisters, basically just asking us how we were going and that they were thinking of us. Now, I don't know if that was part of a uh, Blackburn youth group um, thing, but the fact that we got those two cards actually meant a real lot to Heather and myself. I'm not going to embarrass them by naming them publicly because they know who they are. But as I said, we really appreciated those cards. And yesterday we got another card from another sister who, again, was saying that they missed us and, and she was looking forward to the day when we would all be back together again. These things mean a lot to people, especially if you can't get out as much as you, uh, you're able to um, before this pandemic struck. And so sisters do play that vital role in the ecclesia. Now in Joshua chapter 6, verse 4 to 5, we read these words. And the seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets, shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, All the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall send up every man straight before him. Do you see the problem here? Rahab and her family are actually living on that wall and they are told that they can't go outside under the pain of death. I said a moment ago that the tension must have been running extremely high But now it must almost be at fever pitch after seeing those people walk around, those men of war, walking around the city seven times in one day. You can imagine them sitting down in that house thinking, what's going on? How's all this going to end up? Are we going to live? Are we going to die? What a dilemma that they would have found themselves in. There is no doubt that they knew something was about to happen on that day. Just for a moment, let's put ourselves in that situation. Let's put ourselves in that little house on the wall. How would we feel? I think we would be just as scared as what they were, maybe more. And yet they all stayed in that house. Against all odds, they stayed there. Yes, they were scared as we as I said, as, as we would be also. However, they stayed there. And that's the point. By faith, they stayed in that little house on the wall when they didn't know really what was going to happen. And yes, brothers and sisters, young people, by faith we must stay in the ecclesia to be saved. Ecclesial life at times can get tough. It can get hard. Of course it gets hard because we're all struck with this thing called human nature and we all struggle with this at times. So ecclesial life can become tense at times. Sadly, some people end up leaving. They decide to go. But to leave our ecclesial home would be no different to Rahab and her family leaving that small house on the wall. She knew that if her family, she or her family left, that little refuge on the wall, it would be certain death to them. Would leaving the Ecclesia be any different? You see, none of us can survive out there on our own. We need each other. And nobody in the Ecclesia, no one in the Ecclesia is a mistake. God has a plan and purpose for everyone here. God doesn't make mistakes. We make mistakes I make mistakes. We all make plenty of mistakes, but God doesn't. And everyone in the Ecclesia has been called by God. And he calls, he justifies, and whom he justifies, he glorifies. And so we're called to the truth. We're justified when we're baptised into the Lord Jesus Christ. And soon by God's grace, we will be glorified. What an amazing day that will be. Even though I've been baptised for 35 odd years, I still wake up through the night. I still think about the kingdom and I imagine myself being there. And it's the most wonderful feeling that any of us could ever have to think that soon the Lord Jesus Christ will be back in this earth And that that kingdom will be set up. However, it may have seemed a mistake for this little group of people on the wall after they heard the the ear-piercing sounds of the ramps' horns and the mighty shout of the people. And the walls around them now starting to shudder violently. They would be hearing the deafening sounds of the six-metre walls and the 20-metre turrets crashing down around them. They may have thought this was a mistake to stay here. Again, it's a testimony to Rahab that they stayed there. Every inclination, every fibre of their being would be screaming out to them saying, get out, we're about to die. And yet nobody moved. They stayed there huddled together, praying, begging to be saved. The world is falling down around us too, isn't it? But do we see that same urgency for salvation? Do we honestly see our lives in danger? As they stayed in that that little house, we too must stay in the ecclesia. Where do you think Rahab would have been in that house? I believe that she would have been standing guard on the, on that door. Nobody would get past Rahab because she knew, she knew that to walk outside that door, her family would die. Jesus says in John chapter ten verse nine that He is the door that leads to life. That's the door. That we need to go through that's the only door that we can go through that's the only door that will lead us to salvation and Rahab knew that the door in her house would lead to death but the door that God had opened up to her and her family would lead to life no different to us is it there is only one door into that wonderful kingdom and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ And so eventually the the noise stopped, the dust settled, the smell of death would have been there. However, this little family still had life because they kept their faith in God. The walls of Jericho may have fallen down. However, the small spark of faith in Rahab's family had now flickered into a very small flame. And that flame would grow over years, as ours does also. I said the wall of Jericho had fallen. It did, except for one tiny little bit of it, Rahab's house. Amongst all that death, amongst all that destruction, this small bit of wall remained as a testimony to not only her faith, but also the faith of her family. What a tower of strength Rahab and a family are for us today. But we can look up to these people of faith and we can get encouragement from them. If they can do these things, then so can we if we put our trust in God. And so in chapter 6 and verse 22 we read, But Joshua said unto the two men that spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as you swear unto her. Now, it has been said that one of the spies that went into the country was Salmon, the man whom she eventually married. Now, of course, no one can really prove this. However, it does fit the type, if that's correct. Brother H.P. Mansfield wrote in his book Exposition of Joshua regarding Rahab, he says, Rahab being a representative of the Gentile bride of Christ, finally married the one to whom she owed her life and that of her family. And so it's quite possible that she did marry um, Salman, that spy. Anyway, it's a nice thought. It's a nice thought to think that she marries the man that actually came and rescued her. It's also wonderful to think about the one who has rescued us from the world. And we too, like Rahab, are waiting for that day when we will be married to him, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful time that will be. Now, if you want to get to know Rahab a little bit more, we need to read the story of Ruth. As we know, Boaz was the son of Rahab. And I think that we would all agree that Boaz was probably one of the nicest people uh, written about in the Bible. Not only was he a nice person, but he was a spiritually godly man to go along with it. I guess it was his spirituality that turned him into that wonderful, kind person that he was. To give an example of that, the first time we meet Boaz is in Ruth chapter 2 and verse 4. And the first words that come out of his mouth is Yahweh. He's such a godly man. That's the first word that comes out of his mouth, Yahweh, and that sets the scene for the life of Boaz. I think in Boaz we see a reflection of his mother Rahab. And so as we know, Salmon beget Boaz, Boaz beget Obed, and Obed beget Jesse, and Jesse beget David. And so the line of David takes us all the way down to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we learn from Rahab? Well, many things, but there is one thing I hope that none of us will ever forget, and that is only God can look at the heart, look upon the heart of somebody. We may consider that certain types of people are the dregs of society. But who are we to judge? If God can save Rahab, he can save a prostitute, then we have no right to judge anybody. Jesus said regarding the Pharisees that the harlots would enter the kingdom before they do. So God doesn't think as man thinks, does he? What an honour for Rahab that her name appears in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you think the Pharisees would think about that? They would be absolutely mortified that a harlot could be in the line of the Messiah. And yet she was. It has been said that nature forms us. Sin deforms us. The world conforms us. Prison systems try to reform us. Education informs us. But only the word of God can transform us. And that really is the, the story of Rahab. And it is our story as well. If we really, if we really want to be in the kingdom then we must be like Rahab and be transformed from the carnal to the spiritual. The world can't do that. The world won't do that. But only through God's word we can be transformed. Today is the day of our opportunity. Let's don't waste it. Let's stand firm in our most holy faith, in our most holy calling. And we will hear those wonderful words. Well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Thank you.